Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Monergy Life. This is Robert Fisher, your host. I am so pleased tonight to welcome Jaya Jaya Myra, uh, who should be calling in any moment now. Uh, she is not only an entrepreneur, uh, a QVC spokesperson for wellness products, a consultant to builders on wellness, a author of the book Vibrational Healing, Attain Balance and Wholeness, Understand Your Energetic Type. Uh, I understand that um, Myra is also going to be giving a TEDx presentation in the near future. Hopefully, we'll get a little more details about that when she calls in momentarily. Uh, if there's anything that the world needs today, that individuals in our country need today, I can't think of anything more than healing. Now, healing can result on many different levels and from many different modalities. Uh, the question is, which, which process is going to work best for you? And while we're waiting for Myra to call in, uh, I think it's important to realize how uh, energy is really the most important thing that we have, that we use, and that we share with other people. Uh, it seems as though there's so much information that we're expected to process every day. So many things that hit us. Now, let me see. I think that's Myra right now. Myra, is that you? Good. This is me. Good evening. Well, good evening and welcome to Monergy Life. I was just uh, giving our listeners an introduction to your many uh, accomplishments and goals. And... Um, so you you called in at the perfect time. I was I was saying to our listeners that if there's anything that the people in our country need, that the people in the world need, it's healing. <laughs> oh, I, I completely of, agree with that. Right. I can't think of anything that is more relevant to functioning in our world today than having a process that's accessible for everyone to maintain balance, maintain peace of mind, and heal whatever needs to be healed. And so I'm so glad that you're on the show, and, and I'm hoping that you could give our listeners some hints on some, some things. Obviously, in a half hour, we're only going to touch on some major, major uh, issues, but some things that you think are important to the people today to help them function with more equilibrium, with more peace of mind, Aspiring to have joy. I know that's a, that's a lot to ask for people today, but we're going to shoot for that in this discussion. So what? what that comes sounds to mind great. With, right. What what can you suggest to people as a starting off point that they should look for as a pathway to wellness, health, and balance? I think one of the primary things that people need to cultivate in their lives in order to stay mentally healthy, emotionally healthy, and even physically healthy is to have some form of consistency in their day-to-day routine. So I do a lot with mindfulness and meditation, um, as you know, but it's very difficult for a lot of people to, say, cultivate a meditation or a mindfulness practice. 
And I strongly believe the reason behind this is because people don't even have a consistent routine on a day-to-day basis that they really enjoy doing. So how are you going to expect yourself to do something that, that you don't enjoy or seems like a challenge if you're not already doing something positive and proactive? So what's your advice to our listeners and to the general public in terms of getting people used to doing things that are enjoyable that are actually going to be beneficial to their health and well-being? I think it starts just by cultivating something consistent every day. Maybe it's as simple as having a cup of tea, like taking 10 to 15 minutes to enjoy a cup of tea or 10 to 15 minutes to sit down and read from your favorite book or 10 to 15 minutes journaling. Whatever it is for you, it doesn't matter what it is. The act of doing something consistently is going to help to rewire your brain. It's going to affirm that you deserve positive and good things in your life, things that you enjoy. And once you get in the habit of doing this, it's going to change your way of thinking in such a way that it's going to enable you to be more successful with the things that you don't like doing. Right. Might I just add, you know, when you were talking about consistency, uh, this sprung into my mind. I just want to, um, to let the listeners know that even a meditation practice of five minutes in the morning, just five minutes before you go to work, can really change the whole context of your day. Um, and, it's, and that's not something that's too much to ask of people, to spend five minutes doing something that might be beneficial to their whole day. I know that it can be a daunting um, concept, meditation, for those of our listeners who haven't uh, experimented with it. But for people who have been listening to my show for a while, I've had other people on who are, who are meditation teachers, and I've tried to, to show how important I feel a meditation practice is to health and well-being. And, you know, I don't say that gratuitously because uh, it doesn't take a, um, a brain surgeon to realize that the average person and the, even the not-so-average person today is inundated with so much stimuli and information and expected to process so much information on a daily basis. And without something like meditation or pausing, our nervous systems are not designed to process all that information. It's just not possible. No, completely agreed. And I am a huge, huge, huge advocate for both mindfulness and meditation. Um, And I think that people should definitely make time in their day for it. But if you can't uh, or if it's too big of a mental hurdle, at least start with doing something that you enjoy because that is going to change your perspective to a place of positivity and gratitude as opposed to feeling like the world is just trampling you and things are, are not going your way. Right. Yeah, I would agree with you totally that that's a starting off point. But I, I, I strongly believe that with the, with the stimuli that people are exposed to every day, particularly in urban areas like places like New York City, just having a cup of tea for 15 minutes is not going to cut it. It's not going to be enough to ward off the negative effects of the other stimuli you're experiencing during the day, unless you're a superhuman being. Well, no, it's it's not going to ward off the rest of the negativity, but what it is going to do is to help change your perspective from the negative to the positive. It's one thing that people can do, especially when they're stuck in a rut of feeling sad or depressed or traumatized or having 
unresolved uh, mental or emotional issues. This is like a way to just reset people. And it's something that I, I found effective with the clients that I work with when people just tell me, hey, I can't be consistent with this meditation no matter how much I've tried. So we just take a uh-huh. step back and I ask them to do something very positive for their life to start just emotionally uh-huh. feeling better. Because when it comes down to it at the end of the day, we lack something in this culture known as inner prosperity. Uh, a lot of people just fundamentally don't feel good about themselves or about life in general, and that is a major problem. And if you don't feel good about anything that's going on in your life, no matter how many good things you have, uh, meditation it isn't even going to be able to touch that very effectively. There's like there's all these other things that need to be done to get people to think more positively. Right. Do you think that if that's the case, that so many people do not possess that inner prosperity, and I love that phrase, I may borrow it from you and use it in the future, uh, do you think it's because our, our culture and the collective consciousness really does not reward any kind of stillness or appreciation for what is and is always prodding people to go for more, that nothing is ever enough? Do you think that that yeah. plays a, a role? Yeah. I do too. Absolutely. I think think it it plays a huge role. Right. And I think that, you know, when people become mindful of of this, that that they're being almost manipulated by the messages that society is, is, is tossing out at them repeatedly throughout their day and through their lives, through all kinds of conditioning. I think it's incumbent upon people to try and take themselves out from under that conditioning. And, you know, to really be happy and joyful and peace and to, to cultivate that inner prosperity that you talk about, I think it's almost impossible to do that if you adhere to the societal norms about what you should be doing. I think it's important oh, to exactly. mention that. Yeah. And exactly. It's not a, I mean, it's, it's funny you say that because I, that's, I'm going to be talking about that in a, a TEDx talk I'm going to be giving in a couple of months. We, you cannot okay. live by societal norms if you want to be healthy. There, there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about that. If you want to be happy and healthy and in touch with yourself and contributing and making the world a better place, you have to have a solid footing in who you are as an individual and not let friends or family or society dictate what your mm-hmm. actions are. Right. And in order to really pull that off, you have to be very vigilant and you have to be conscious almost all the time because it's very easy to get sucked into the vortex of what society expects for you in any given moment. Uh, it so definitely I, I, is. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I think that's a really great topic for, for your TED Talk. Um, and I look forward to, to seeing that and, and seeing what you do with that concept. And, and I think that what you, what you struck or what we just talked about is probably the most challenging thing for people to do today. And as challenging as it is, it is also probably the most essential thing for anyone to do if they want to really have happiness and live in the United States in 2018. Definitely. Uh, learning to be stable in yourself, not having society dictate what you should or shouldn't be doing. Um, that's absolutely huge. But it, it's all rooted in self-inquiry. Like you have to know a little bit at least about who you are before you'll stop listening to other people, before you listen to yourself. Right. And that's something that's, that for some people, they're, 
they're a little further ahead than other people. And I don't think, you know, in terms of knowing about who you are, that can be a very subjective inquiry too. Um, because if I said to you, Myra, who are you? What would you say to me? I would say that I am a piece of the universe manifested in human form. And for me, I know very concretely, I, I, I am here for a very specific reason and purpose. I'm extremely clear about what my life purpose and path is and how right. to get there. Right. And but if it's, you it's ask, a choice. You know, I don't think that right. there's anything that's fully predestined. I think that we have inclinations, and you know what your general trajectory is going to be and what it is that you want to do and what your strengths and your weaknesses are. And from there, you just really need to make a decision to do something. I mean, even if you don't know if it's 100% the right thing for you, decide and commit and take a step forward. See how it works out for you. That's the only right. way that, like, life is going to progress and keep moving forward for right. better. And I think that, well, there's a couple of things that I see in, in my dealings with people that I think hold them back. One of the biggest ones is fear. And the, and, you know, the, and the, the other one that I think holds people back is that they don't really have a sense of trusting their intuition or their instinct because we live in a culture that up until recently has only rewarded logic and studies. And, you know, if something isn't scientifically proven for a lot of people, it doesn't exist and it can't be true. And I think we're shifting into a time and place where intuition rules and what feels good to you rules. So when people are embarking on this journey of what you, you know, to follow what they, what they really want to do in life, they have to be very mindful of doing it in a way that is in, uh, in accord with their gut feelings, with what feels right to them, and not with the way society is going to package that journey. And I think we're moving in a direction where people are beginning to feel more comfortable trusting the right brain, your instinct, your gut feeling, uh, you know, but for some people, they're very wary of that because it's, you know, when you deal on that level, um, it, it's not that you're minimizing or completely neglecting scientific studies or what people have told you about in the past, but you're trusting something that's even more present and of the moment, which is how you're going to feel doing it. Nobody can tell you how you, Myra, or me, Robert, is going to feel in any particular situation. We have to feel it, and we have to honor those feelings. We have to learn to be comfortable in honoring the feelings that we have about a person, a situation, or an opportunity in life. Yes, absolutely. I completely agree with that. And you know, one of the things I want to talk about, which has fascinated me in the last, let's say, year or two, is the subtle energy body. I know you mentioned it in your book, Vibrational Healing. Could you tell our listeners how you define subtle energy and where they could find it? Well, subtle energy is in you and all around you at any time. I mean, part of the the pranic energy and life force energy, some people call it chi or ki, you know, depending on if you're more acclimated with uh, traditional Chinese medicine or with Ayurvedic philosophy. Energy is around you all of the time. And really when you're able to tap into it and feel these different subtle levels of perception, 
it can help you to understand many things. But one of the things that I find most fascinating about being able to tune into subtle energy is that, one, it increases your energy and your stamina, and two, it really helps you to distinguish between what thoughts are your own and what is coming at you from other people. A, a lot of people don't realize that, that thoughts are just these vibrational frequencies, and just like radio waves, like they're going to float through the air. So maybe when something comes into your mind, it's not even your energy to begin with, and you don't need to take it seriously. But you can start to tell what is actually your own and what is coming from other people when you start to tune into that subtle vibration. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you spoke earlier about stimuli, and like we get so bombarded, and absolutely in the big city in particular, you get so bombarded with all the stimuli and other people's thoughts and their emotions and their fear and their negativity mm-hmm. and even uh, even happiness and joy when that's there. But since there's so much of the negative right now, we really do need a way to be able to sift through this stuff and just easily discard the things that are not meant for us. Right. And I couldn't agree with you more. And I I think that the intensity of life has accelerated, and that means there's going to be more potentially negative energy around us that we need to process And, you know, it's got to be a moment-to-moment consciousness and awareness if we can really hope to rise above that. And I think what what might help our listeners in understanding this, how to actually do this, would be instead of thinking that you're in the middle of something, begin to, like, watch your thoughts and not really give too much weight to what comes into your mind, but actually watch it. So if you're walking down the street and there's somebody that's coming at you, let's say they make a negative comment at you, totally out of the blue, instead of reacting in an angry fashion and start cursing at the person, which I see in New York streets all the time, by the way, you could react (laughs) in the following, right? You could react instead of that. You could just take take in the comment for a moment and, and respond in the following way. Well, you could say to the person, well, you know, that's an interesting thing to say. And it shows that you're a little detached from the situation. You're not taking it so personally. It's just another thought that's directed at you. You realize it has no merit and you're not going to give it any weight. And that's where the choice comes in. How much weight are you going to give these thoughts that come into your mind during the course of the day? Yes, because it's very similar to societal conditioning and the expectation of others. When people direct their thoughts or their opinions at you, they are forcing those opinions on you. But it is your choice whether you choose to let that in and start dictating your actions and controlling what you say or do. You definitely don't have to let that stuff in. And once you start to recognize the difference between, like you said, observing and what is actually yours and what doesn't feel like it's coming from inside of you. It feels like it's in a different voice or a foreign energy. You can just cast that stuff out. It does not need to be there for you. Right. And, you know, I I love the fact that you touched on what people will say about you. You know, I call it energy projection. People are constantly projecting their ideas about you onto you. And it's just their ideas. It's not who you are and it's not who you even think you are. But people take it upon themselves to make these comments that are totally off the wall very often, uh, very far from the mark of who you are or who you aspire to be. And what's kind of interesting is is when people 
seem to think that they're so sure they're right when they're completely wrong. And, you know, this happens a lot in our society because in the last few years, I think there's been a tremendous shift in the way people even have a normal conversation, whatever that means today, in terms of, you know, in today's dynamic, in the collective consciousness that we're living in, so many people feel the need to just be right and to show that you're wrong in almost the most unimportant situations. You know, it could be the smallest thing, but people place a great deal of weight on showing that they know more than you, they know what's right, and that you're wrong. I see it all the time in conversations, and it's not really a healthy discourse. You know, it's not coming from a good place, but it's very, very common in our society these days. And it takes a lot when you're in that situation to not get angry, to not be reactive, but to actually say to the person something that will, will actually stop them in their tracks. And there are so many ways that you can do that without getting caught up in what they're projecting onto you. And isn't it funny that people choose to focus on such minute and minuscule things as a way to feel that they have some control over life? Uh, like well, that they have to project a, something onto you or their opinions onto you, something that's totally meaningless. I, I just find well, it I find it fascinating and hilarious at the same time because when you step outside of the situation and look at it, how small must that other person feel to put their projections and their opinions and their negativity on you? Right. Well, I think it comes down to what you touched on a few moments ago in our conversation about self-worth when you were talking about that. And it, it, it may be an unfortunate um, byproduct of the times we're living in, but it seems as though that many people walking around on our planet uh, are deficient in self-worth. They haven't developed that. They don't even have a clue as to who they are. And as far as self-worth goes, well, you know, I don't even think that's in the ballpark for a lot of people. Uh, you know, and I agree, and, in- and that's a problem. It's a huge problem. Well, I mean, it's a problem for health and mental health and everything. I mean, so many scientific studies now have shown that happiness and feelings of gratitude and prosperity, all of this boosts your immune system, and it keeps you from getting sick. It uh, it regulates your hormones. It helps improve digestion. It, it does so many positive things for your body, just those basic, basic feelings of happiness and self-worth. Right. And even, you know, a simple thing as to when, it, when you're in any situation today, to just thank somebody for what they're doing. And so many people don't even do that, you know, and that's a really simple thing. Talk about something that everyone listening to this, to this discussion can do right away. They can start telling people thank you when they're involved in conversation, when there's a transaction going on, when somebody does something for you or offers to do something, you know, it's just basic gratitude. And I even think doing that boosts your immune system, just showing basic kindness and gratitude to the people that you interact with. Yeah, completely. I I think something we can all do on a daily basis, like you said, is to thank people you can also make it a point that you're going to compliment one person, at least one person every single day, even if it's something like, hey, uh, I love your hair, or those are some snazzy suits, you know. It, it doesn't matter what you say, 
but the fact that you're going out of your way to say something nice to someone else, um, it's going to go a long way. It's going to make you feel better, and it's going to uplift the other person as well. I would challenge everyone to do this and to try it for at least two weeks, and you will notice a change in your perspective of life. Yeah, I I totally could embrace that, and I think it's really important. You know, something that I've started to do only in the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, walking around New York, you encounter a lot of homeless people, as I'm sure you know, Myra, and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, try, I try and, you know, give money to these people whenever I can, but something new that I started to do, rather than just give them money, I actually stop and talk to them and say, hey, what's your name? You know, and, you know, it just happened to me in the last couple of days when I did it to somebody, and they were so taken aback, you know, that I was actually showing a human connection to somebody who was asking for money. I wasn't pitying them. I wasn't considering them a victim. It was just one human being to another. And since we were having Mm -hmm. a transaction, i.e., I was giving them a dollar or $20, whatever it was, uh, I wanted to know who they were. And, you know, something I really think they appreciated that. Uh, Yeah, I bet they do because people in that situation often feel like they're not seen. Or not human, even. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's, it's really, really interesting when you start to see the interconnectedness of things. And the whole idea of oneness is a whole other show that we could talk about for hours, but... You know, I've come to the understanding that on a certain spiritual level, we're all one. So it's not about what I have and what this person doesn't have. It's actually we're sharing a lot of things in common, no matter who that other person is. Homeless, a billionaire, it doesn't really matter. There's so much that we have in common, and we're taught to look for separation and divisions in our society. And I think another thing that's changing is that people are beginning to see the unification, the oneness of, of all of us. You know, we're all in the same boat. We're all struggling for basic happiness, health, wellness, prosperity. Everybody wants that. And when you realize that, you don't have to – I think it's a relief. And no matter what your personal situation, family-wise – I think it makes you feel less alone when you realize that everybody is really looking for the same things in life. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. You know, we all want to feel loved. We all want to feel like we're worthwhile and we have a purpose. And when those basic fundamental needs are met, I mean, it's amazing what a person can accomplish. If people just had self-worth and knew that they were loved, this world would be an entirely different place. Right. You know, I'm a big fan of Osho. I don't know if you're familiar with him as a writer, but um, I'm a big fan. Of I am him. not and a fan of Osho, but that's, but that's another story. Okay. <laughs> but, okay. That's a whole but yeah, other story. I, I am but familiar it, with his writings, and I am a fan of uh, of what he says. I'm just not a fan oh, of Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actions. not a fan of him personally. I, I meant of his writing. That's what I meant. Yes. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll agree on that. Okay. In one of his books, which is called Courage, he makes a very interesting point that, you know, when it comes to love, people are always looking for that one person to complete them. And certainly our society, with all the love songs and all the holidays devoted to love, certainly conditions people to think that if, God forbid, their love relationship goes down the sewer, 
then that's a cause for depression. That's a reason to get drunk. That's a reason to be depressed for two years. Osho has a whole different take on that love relationship, and I'm going to share it with you and our listeners. I find it to be fascinating. What he says is it's not about finding a person to complete you. It's about loving the universe in total. And the way he illustrates that is, and I think it's kind of funny what I'm about to say, but he says, I never met a mountain or a tree that didn't love me. And when you think about it, it's like, for me, when I read that, a light bulb went off in my mind, you know. So whether you're with somebody who you really love at the moment, whether you've separated, whether you've the, the whole idea that the universe loves you exactly as you are and that you could connect with that force in the universe is a very powerful one for me. Yeah, completely. I mean, love is that deepest part of who you are. There is no separation between God, the universe, and love itself. So it, you don't need to get that from another person. Right, but we're so conditioned to think that we do, and that's another. That's a whole mm-hmm. other we could talk for hours about that. But in the last, yeah. I can't believe this, this discussion has just flown. Um, uh, tell me, Myra, where can our listeners get a hold of you if they, if they want to learn more about what you're doing and what you could offer them? What's the best way to reach you? Extremely easy to find online at www.jayajayamyra.com. And you can find me on just about any social media channel at jayajayamyra. Perfect. Well, I really want to thank you for coming on Monergy Life. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did it. And I'm sure our listeners got a really interesting taste of what you and I believe in terms of what's necessary to really uh, achieve wellness and maintain that wellness in the high-voltage society that we're living in right now. So, Myra, I want to thank you again for being on Monetary Life. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. And uh, I hope everyone has a really blessed evening. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Thank you again. Bye.